You're listening to Reimagined Radio. Real talk, real life, real magic. Not too long ago, I was coaching an executive who was experiencing a pretty typical scenario for the people I work with. She was high up in the organization, and the organization wasn't performing as it had been expected to. They weren't meeting budget, and so she was under a lot of pressure. Her boss was under pressure, her boss's boss was under pressure, and basically it was a big cascade of pressure down in the organization. Everyone was feeling pretty stressed out, and they felt a strong need to perform, and because of the pressure that she was getting, she was trying to figure out the best way to lead her team to get the results that they were looking for. And so she decided that the best approach would be to kind of stress them out like her boss was stressing her out. After all, she figured if everyone shared her sense of stress, then they would work harder, they'd be more efficient, because they would know that their jobs depended on it. And so she really thought that that was the way to handle it. Now, based on my experience, this is a very common reaction for leaders. When things aren't going the way they want them to, or when their team isn't getting the results that they're wanting, they figure that if they apply some tension and some stress, that will get people to perform at their best. So in this episode, we're going to talk about why this approach, even though it's so common, is a mistake, and what the research says are better leadership strategies for getting great results. Welcome to Success Unlimited with Dr. Patricia Thompson. If you want to be more successful while also being happier at work and at home, you're in the right place. We'll be covering research along with little tweaks, tips, and hacks that will help you to fulfill your potential in the business world without sacrificing your peace of mind. Okay, so have you ever been in that situation, you know, either as a leader or working under a boss in which stress was the order of the day and basically stress was the management strategy to get people to perform at their best? Now, you know, do you believe that you actually work your best when you're stressed out? Now, some of you might say absolutely not, but, you know, a lot of people actually think that they do do their best sort of work in that environment. Like just this past weekend, I was actually on Facebook and one of my acquaintances had posted an article about a conductor who had gotten fired from a position because uh, the people underneath him had said that he was very intimidating and um, rude and aggressive. And one of the things that surprised me was like probably 95% of the people who had responded to this, and they were all musicians, or most of them were, um, were basically saying that, no, that's the way you get the best result. You know, the people who are complaining underneath this person are, you know, just weak-willed. You know, you get your best results when you're under pressure. Even, you know, if someone's throwing a chair at you, like, or being very obnoxious, like um, the movie Whiplash, for example, um, they were basically saying that's how you perform. And if you can't take it, then you shouldn't be in that position because you're never going to be a high performer. So, a lot of people do swear that the way you get the best results out of people is by basically browbeating them or intimidating them or being rude to them or embarrassing them. But, um, you know, let's think about it. So let's pretend that you are a basketball player, for example. And I guess I think a lot about basketball because my husband coaches basketball. But let's say you're a basketball player and the score is, you know, 89-88, your team is losing by one, and you have to shoot two free throws 
to be able to win the game. Okay. Now, which mindset do you think is better? Do you think it's better for you to be in the mindset where you're thinking like, oh no, I'd better get this or everyone is going to be mad at me. My coach might even kick me off the team. Uh, I better get this shot. Or do you think it's better to be in this, the frame of mind where you're thinking, you know, I've got this, you know, everyone's rooting for me and this is just like how I've been practicing this and my coach believes in me and so I know I can do this. Now, typically for most people, and I'm sure the research would bear this out, the second sort of mindset is going to be more effective when people can not be stressed out and where they can be in a little bit calmer situation, they have more perspective and they're able to perform better. So the bottom line is despite kind of the widespread belief that high stress, high pressure, aggressive management can make people more effective, I got to tell you that the research says that stress actually makes you less effective. For example, research has shown that heightened levels of workplace stress are linked to increased absenteeism, um, more turnover, more workplace accidents, and lower levels of performance and organizational productivity. Um, You know, a lot of times when people are under stress, they're working more and more hours, and that can lead to work-family conflict and in the, you know, because basically your family's like, where are you? Or when you're at home, you're stressed out because you're thinking about work or you're not getting enough sleep because you're working all the time. And in turn, that work-family conflict leads to more stress. So you're not only stressed out at work, you're stressed out at home as well. And, you know, the irony is that, you know, people who work a lot and become workaholics aren't even necessarily performing better on the job. Research actually suggests that it has no impact on your level of performance. You know, some of the other negative aspects of working in a stressful environment is that um, research shows that employees who work for abusive supervisors are more likely to report that they're emotionally exhausted. Um, They're also at higher risk for cardiovascular disease. And so if you have a lot of strain on the job, you're you know, more likely to have heart problems. Um, they also found that white-collar professionals who work 10 hours a day or more have a 60% increased risk of heart problems compared to people who don't work that much. And you know, for the organization, they've also found that in high-stress environments, health costs are 46% higher for employees that work in those sorts of environments. You know, if you also think about it, um, I don't know if I've shared this research in other podcasts, but basically if you're in stress mode all the time, you're in fight or flight mode. And research has shown that when you're in fight or flight mode, you're not thinking as broadly or as expansively. Fight or flight is good for small periods of time because it helps you to be narrowly focused so that you can, you know, spot your surroundings and get away from the bear that might be chasing you. But if you're thinking long term, staying in fight or flight mode isn't going to help you to do the sort of broad thinking that is usually required to solve business problems effectively because you're going to need all of your cognitive resources in order to do so. So here's the deal. Basically, this approach is not the best approach. You might think that it's worked for you, and maybe, you know, pressing people in a really aggressive manner and stressing them out has seemed to produce results. But what I want to tell you is that the research suggests that there's a better way that can get you better results and also won't have everyone, you know, stressed out around the workplace. So what is the better approach? Well, it's compassion. 
Now, I know that some of the people who listen to Reimagined Radio would be totally on board with this idea of compassion. Like, of course, that's the way you go. But I can also tell you that there are a lot of business leaders that I know or I have worked with who might cringe or have a negative reaction in response to the word compassion. You know, to them, it might sound too airy-fairy or too touchy-feely. You know, they might think of compassion as something that's weak, or, you know, maybe they think that if they're compassionate, it means that they're letting people get away with really shoddy work. Um, You know, plus, if you think of the term compassion, it doesn't seem very measurable. You know, it's not very tangible. So how exactly do you even do it as a business leader? How do you focus on something that's so amorphous and intangible? So first of all, let me sort of um, assuage any concerns that people have that compassion is weak or that it means letting people get away with not doing any work. That's not at all what it is. This is basically what compassion means in a nutshell. It simply means connecting and taking time to care about the people who work for you as people instead of just as means to an end. And it means valuing people, again, as people, And also, you know, being forgiving. So being compassionate, caring about how they feel and caring about the emotional climate of your organization. So this might clarify it a little bit more. So in a Harvard Business Review article, Emma Seppala and Kim Cameron describe six characteristics of a compassionate workplace. And so here they were. The first one is caring for, being interested in, and maintaining responsibility for colleagues as friends. The second one was providing support for one another, including offering kindness and compassion when others are struggling. The next one is avoiding blame and forgiving mistakes, inspiring one another at work, emphasizing the meaningfulness of the work, and then lastly, treating one another with respect, gratitude, trust, and integrity. So that sounds great, right? Like who wouldn't want to work in an environment like that? And I'm sure that probably sounds good to you. Like like I said, who wouldn't want that? Um, But a question that many people have in response to that is, yeah, that all sounds well and good, but will it get you results? And the answer is absolutely. And let's talk about some of the research that shows just how absolutely that works. So the first research study I want to talk about is something called Project Aristotle. And this was an initiative undertaken by Google in which they were trying to find out the characteristics that were most conducive to effective teamwork. And so what they did is they, you know, Google collects a lot of data, you know, some data we don't even want them to collect. And so they looked at all the data that they collected within the organization to look at what factors were most conducive to high-performing teams. So they looked at things like, you know, the composition of the team, like did we have all the personalities together or should we put different personalities together? They looked at things like how often do people eat lunch with one another? Like they looked at all sorts of different things. And what they found was that the most critical factor for high team performance was something called psychological safety. And that's basically, as it sounds, people feeling psychologically safe in their environment, kind of feeling like they will be accepted in the organization, that people are empathetic, that they're not going to be embarrassed or rejected or punished for speaking up. 
Um, in other words, you know, psychological safety is they worked in a compassionate workspace. There were spaces where people could express their opinions and not be afraid that they were going to be ridiculed and where their opinions were actually considered by others. They were spaces where people could trust one another and where they knew that their coworkers actually cared for them. So that if they were struggling with something either at work or at home, they could feel like they were going to be supported. And what they found was that these sort of groups were more likely to have people speaking up. And so they were more likely to get all the opinions out on the table. And in a sense, that helped them to create higher quality solutions to problems. They were also more likely to be collaborative and to be able to be authentic with one another because, again, they were in the psychologically safe or compassionate environment. And so that's the sort of setting in which people are really able to do their best work. When there's a challenge in front of them, they feel like they can join resources, have the support of their colleagues, and be productive instead of, you know, working in a feverish, really stressed out rush to try and just keep up with everything. So again, the compassion is the way to go. Uh, there's another study. This one was a longitudinal study done by some researchers named Barsaid and O'Neill, and they looked at some healthcare workers. And what they found was that the healthcare workers who expressed that they felt a sense of companionate love in their organization showed higher levels of job satisfaction and teamwork and lower levels of absenteeism. And I know the word love, you're probably thinking like love and work. Um, so what they meant by companionate love was they felt a sense of warmth and affection and connection at work. So again, it's like a compassionate environment. And what they found was that not only were these people more satisfied with their jobs, and not only were they feeling more of a sense of team at work, they also found that those organizations had better patient outcomes. And so patients of those people who were feeling better on the job reported, you know, feeling higher quality of life, being in a better mood, increased satisfaction with their outcomes, and also fewer follow-up trips to the emergency room. And the researchers, you know, thought, okay, you know, um, healthcare environments, they're one sort of environment where you might expect more compassion. But what if we look at this same concept in other organizations? And what they found was that in other industries, employees who felt love on the job, that sense of connection, reported more work satisfaction, more commitment to their organization, and more accountability on the job. And think about it. I mean, again, if you know that your boss cares about you, you're probably less likely to have feelings of resentment or anger towards him or her. And so in that way, you can be focusing more on the job instead of trying to deal with all of your stress on the job. Uh, one more example I'm going to say, and this is from a book called Love 2.0, and it's by psychologist Barbara Fredrickson. And she used a term called positivity resonance, which basically means anytime two people share a positive emotion. And so examples of positivity resonance would be, you know, if you and your colleague were joking about something you saw together, or if your boss gave you positive feedback for a job well done, or, you know, if you had a nice chat with the security, job, uh, the security guard on the way upstairs. So those would all be examples of positive, positivity resonance. And in her book, she actually found that there's a lot of research that suggests that positivity re uh, resonance sorry, is linked to more trust, greater emotional intelligence, and also a greater willingness to consider other people's perspectives. And there was one really interesting study she cited in which people had a 10-minute pleasant conversation 
And then they were had to do a scale from an IQ test. And the people who had just had the pleasant conversation did better on the on the IQ test than did others. So again, we have this like greater performance as a result of a more pleasant environment. There's a lot of other research too that I'm not going to get into just because I don't want this podcast to be too long. But the bottom line is when you have a compassionate culture, it allows people to perform more effectively. That's the bottom line. Stressing people out isn't the way to go. Being more compassionate is. Now, let me also clarify a few things about compassion. So compassion doesn't mean that you don't ask anything of people. And it doesn't mean that you don't have high standards. But what it does mean is that you coach them to achieve those high standards. And you don't do it in an environment in which they're going to feel totally threatened, like the person at the free throw line who is afraid that they might get kicked off the team. But instead, you do it in in an environment in which they feel cared for, in which they feel that you truly have an interest in them. And what this does is it creates greater loyalty and motivation, not less. Compassion also doesn't mean that you're going to let people walk all over you. After all, you have compassion for other people, but you also have self-compassion, which means that you you should be setting appropriate boundaries and you shouldn't be a doormat. You should be giving and caring. But again, you're also concerned about yourself and having that level of self-compassion. And, you know, if you have people who actually aren't meeting the standards that you're needing from them of the job, it doesn't mean that you just let them go on forever and that you never fire them. Um, You know, again, sometimes a really compassionate thing to do would be to help someone to find a job that's a better fit for them if they're, you know, struggling in your role after you've tried to coach them. And the other thing is, you know, if you fire someone, you do it with compassion so that their sense of dignity is still intact. I've heard a lot of stories from leaders about, you know, people who came back to them after they fired them saying, you know, thank you. You know, that was really something that I needed to help me to find this next job that's a much better fit for me. Or thank you for the way in which you did it. I know that you really cared about me and I know that it wasn't a hard or it wasn't an easy thing for you to do. But, you know, I really appreciate the way in which you did it. Okay. Last thing I want to say is, you know, in my role as a corporate psychologist, I get the opportunity to ask a lot of people about, you know, who were their best bosses? Who is the boss that really helped you to perform at your best? Someone who you learned a lot under and someone who helped you to grow as a professional. And the vast majority of people don't say anything like the person who was, you know, really obnoxious to me and gave me a hard time all the time. They talk about bosses who cared about them as a person, bosses who actually took the time to help to develop them, bosses who gave them feedback. You know, you give feedback, you just give it compassionately to help people grow. And bosses who, you know, they really felt connected to as an individual. So again, I think, you know, if you think about the best bosses in your life and you think about the times when you perform the best, it's probably not when you're totally stressed out. And so I want you to keep that in mind, as well as the research that I've talked about today, the next time that you're really under the gun in your organization so that you can figure out how you want to lead through that. The other thing is, you know, even when you guys aren't under stress, of course you want to have a compassionate environment because, again, you're building the relationships and the loyalty that are going to help everyone to really get their mindset together and to get their resources together when you are under stress so that everyone would be able to perform at their best. 
So anyway, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that you got some helpful tidbits that will help you to be a better leader. As always, I welcome your feedback. I love to hear your reactions, questions, even disagreements. And so if you want to reach out to me, you'll find me at www.silverliningpsychology.com or on Twitter at Patricia underscore ATL. And if you'd like some more strategies to help you to be a better leader, make sure to check out my website. I've got some courses on there for beginning leaders and also for other senior leaders who want to become more mindful as they go about their work. So definitely check those out. Anyway, that's it for this episode. I hope you have an awesome day.